Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Inside the Mirror podcast. I'm back with a very, very dear friend. I'm super excited for this episode. You should be too, because it's about to be rich. Uh, and and yeah, I won't go. It's going to be rich. So without further ado, Sky Galat. Sky, my friend, uh, what's going on? I feel like you should open up like. Bah, bah, bah. Yeah, I didn't know what to do. I felt like, you know, like, when you're like, what do I do with my hands? Yeah, sometimes I don't know how I just like get stuck and I'm like, I you know, but here we are. Yo, thanks for being here. This is I'm pumped. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I love of the work you do. I love the conversations you have. Um, you're the most authentic and vulnerable people that I know. Thank you. Yeah, every time I talk to you, I mean, we say it every time. Like, I just get this fire in my belly, just me up, and it just like, yeah, man. There's something about, yeah, we have a unique relationship because there's something about it. We even when we had dinner last time, it's like, I don't know what it is, right? It's just God because that's it. There's nothing. I don't know what it is. I literally have had more energy, right? Like in like past seven minutes than I had like before. It's just wild. Anyways, I'll get off track. This is going to be dope. People will feel it throughout this conversation. Can you can you just get into it? Like, who are you? What's your story? Give us a rundown on like where you are up to this point. Yeah. So I was born and raised in Colorado. Shout out to the ACO. Um, <laughs> Aurora, Colorado. I went to like Smoky Hill High School. Knew at like 12, I needed to get out of this place. Hmm. Um, but I knew that the only way to do that was going to be academic or a- athletic. So I was super honed in on my sports, super honed in on school. Um, went to the University of New Mexico in Albuquerque for five years, got my studied sociology, studied psychology, um, went to England to get my master's in psychology and play volleyball. Um, That was a crazy experience, one of life-changing for sure. Um, Then found myself here in Dallas and here we are. Let's go. There's so much there though to double click into. Okay, so let's talk about, let's start first with like you said you needed to get out of there. Like, tell tell us more. Like, why did you need to get out of there? It was just a rough situation. Yeah. So, I mean, let's be honest. My family is incredible. I, I really, I'm really blessed with the family that I have. Um, you know, but my mother had me at 15, and it just comes with a lot of. I mean, she was a kid. You know what I mean? We we grew up together, so to speak, and so. That came with its own set of troubles and difficulties, um, trials and tribulations. But there's something about Colorado and specifically where I'm from that is like, it's like mud Hmm. sticks to you and it's hard to get out of and you feel stuck. And at some point you fight so much and then you get tired and you just sit there. Like, that's how, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how I feel about the city. And, um, I mean, people don't know this, but there's a lot of there's a fair amount of gang violence. There's a fair amount of drug abuse um, and nobody talks about it. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. Colorado, um, I was exposed to a little bit of everything. So there's a fair amount of diversity where I was, but not a lot of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel as though the black and brown people there are accepted at the forefront. Like it looks pretty. We love all people. We smoke weed, you know what I'm saying? We drink weed, avocado, we like running and stuff, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. as long as you stay in your place, hmm. you do a lot of microaggressions in my education from teachers, from coaches. Um, didn't realize until actually post-grad that a lot of smart Black young women and experience a lot of the same things. Hmm. Um, and it could have been other people that experienced some of those similar things, but those were just the conversations that I was having. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I just knew I had to get out of there um, at a young age. Mm-hmm. And, and so like, talk about your sports career. Like that's what got you out, right? Like that's what took you on to the bigger and better things and kind of moved you physically out of the area. Yeah. Yeah. So I started playing soccer when I was eight, um, ran track when I was eight, my grandmother put me in. She saw the athleticism and was like, yep, we're doing something with that right now. <laughs> Shout out to her. Shout out to Gigi. That's my girl. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so she put me in sports right away. Um, 
ran track and soccer. I, if you to ask me, I would have definitely liked the Olympics for track. Like that's mm. the that's the place to go, right? And then <laughs> it's so funny. God works in the most mysterious ways. I um I had a friend who invited me to an open gym. I tried volleyball once and like at the YMCA, it was so whack. I was like, this isn't a game of keep the balloon off the floor. This is like <laughs> this is ridiculous. Three times. Why did, why can't we just send it over the first time? Like I just had like this is just a whack sport. I'm not with it. And <laughs> I had a friend who invited me to the open gym and I was like, volleyball. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm gonna pass on that. And she was like, "Sky, they play music and they got snacks." And I was like, "All right, man, what time?" Say less. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for a good time. I'm here. Mm-hmm. For, I'm here for the for the music. All right. And then, like, I was like, "Okay, this is kind of fun." Had the coach like come up to me after going to the second job, second or third open gym, and she was like, "You know, if you if you're serious about this, you could." get a full ride. I was like, a full ride? I mean, talk to me more, you know what I'm saying? What you mean when you say that? <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing with track, there's a lot of partial scholarships. Mm-hmm. And in academics, there's a fair amount of scholarships out there as well. So I would, I was just going to piece together as many scholarships as I could. So when she said full ride, I was like, all right, well, let me look into it. I mean, if not for their belief in me and that one friend I don't know if I would have gone and played volleyball and mm. I was recruited after playing club like that following summer. So I started playing at 16, which is pretty late mm-hmm. and got offers like a year later. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And you ended up with uh, a full ride volleyball scholarship? Full ride to the University of New Mexico. Come on. All four years there. Crazy, man. It's wild to think about, but mm. Then that led to, I wanted to play pro. Um, I had an agent who, did, I was just another number, I felt like. Mm. Um, so he kind of gave me like what I felt like was crumbs at the time. But um, he offered, you know, he talked to a coach in England who was looking to build a collegiate program out there. So I could play ball at the school play like a semi-pro league and get my master's at the same time because at the time psychology clinical psychology was the route I was on I wanted to go into marriage and family counseling mm-hmm. and open my own practice there and so yeah played overseas for a year got my master's mm-hmm. started coaching when I moved back here for a little bit yeah here we are hey you've had quite a journey let's talk about let's go down the road okay Okay. so psychology uh what got you into psychology and then like tell me about the journey of like getting a master's but like going down the the road of psychology and really like you know digging deep into like you know who are we how do we operate why are we here like the the deep like tell me about the the psychology journey for sure. So I young age, once again, mm-hmm. um, I, I wanted to understand why people do the things they do. Hmm. And I just had a natural curiosity about the way the world works, but especially people and their behavior. And when I got to high school, I was in this thing called the IB program, International mm-hmm. Baccalaureate, which is like AP on steroids, y'all. Mm-hmm. They had like focuses and uh, six subjects and things like that. And for my sixth subject, it was psychology. And I, um, Patricia Wetmore, she, she changed how I thought about the world, how I saw things. She taught me a lot. She believed in us. She ran the psychology program in IB at Smoky Hill. Um, and she had a similar background. She was a dancer um, or a similar, not background, but interest. She was a dancer, had psychology, um, was the only black woman in the IB program, one of like maybe two or three teachers. Um, and she would like make it a point to not give us a pass. Like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a be hard on you because the world is going to be hard on you. Mm. And you're up against a few more things as a black woman. So, um, yeah. So seeing her, um, being really cultivated by her and, and, 
I don't even know if she knows that, but <laughs> I greatly appreciate her because she sowed that seed. And um, I mean, then that's when I found out about like sports psychology and motivation. And um, even when I got to college, I had I had this resistance towards seeing a psychologist because it was forced on me once my family found out some of the more traumatic things that I faced in my childhood. They wanted to force mm-hmm. me to therapy and, and their hearts were in the right places, but sure. you can't force anybody to do anything they don't want to do. Just not yes. gonna, it's not gonna work. Yep. So um, got to college, had enough stillness around me where I realized, oh shoot, I did go through some really traumatic things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was my first time being on a couch and actually going through therapy myself, saw the benefits of it. Um, and then in school, I had all of these other great influences like um, Dr. Sonia Rankin at uh, Rankin Gibson. She's at the University of New Mexico. She was in, she taught the class race and law, hmm. changed everything. Mr. Uh, Dr. Candelaria, he taught Christ and culture. Hmm. That really sent a pivot in my life because at one point I was, I mean, you know this, I was agnostic, borderline mm-hmm. atheist, really wanted to be atheist. Mm-hmm. Uh, why what was it what was it was it the psychology journey was it your personal journey like man yeah it's it's a whole life journey like mm-hmm. I, I grew up baptist um and my grandmother is, she practiced um messianic judaism mm-hmm. which is essentially they believe in messiah they believe in jesus christ and um also have the jewish heritage she would take us to synagogue on Saturdays and we would go to the Baptist church on Sundays. Now my grandmother just loves studying religions and traveling and going across the world. In addition to just having this love for, for God and Christ. Hmm. And um, so I grew up that way and thank God I did because that seed was planted from young. But I also noticed in the church that y'all treat my mother differently than you treat me. Hmm. And it created this questioning of everything. How, how so? Like, what was it? So my mother was kicked out of children's church because she was pregnant with me. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. And so there was this, I mean, the looks that she got, the judgment, I could tell that they were treating my mom differently mm. than they would treat me as a baby. And um, that automatically created some sort of energy that that made me resistant or or question or or see that things weren't as they seemed mm-hmm. you know what I mean um and then I got to high school and I was best friends uh with an amazing dancer talented singer performer and we were in the theater program me and the dance program in the theater program and those two uh programs collaborated he was also in IB and um he identified as gay mm-hmm. and he was struggling i mean battling with his own his own difficulties there and asked me like do you think people choose to be like this and i said i think i don't think people choose how they feel i think they choose how they respond to those feelings wow and that's huge yeah we were like maybe 15 or 16 years old and he was like i don't want to be like this and I could tell he was tormented just in his, like in battling that and mm-hmm. in himself feeling a certain way and wanting to not feel that way because of how he thought it was right or wrong. And then go into a church where they have like this resistance towards them and this, you know, their noses in the air, so to speak, mm-hmm. toward people that are having this kind of conflict as if that conflict isn't enough to go through to, to feel one way and not want to feel that way. That's a conflict mm-hmm. in itself. And now people are turning themselves away from you because of that conflict. When in my mind, the teen, the pregnant teenager and the gay high schooler should be on the front row of the pews. Yeah. hundred percent. Because they need God and community the most. Whether you agree or disagree with their lifestyle, what they don't need is for you to understand what they're going through. They just need you to hold their hand through it. Mm-hmm. At least that's my understanding now. But after that, that created another layer of like, hmm. 
uh, I don't know. That was like strike two for me. Mm-hmm. Then got to college and learned a lot of American history that they don't tell. And that was like strike three. How could you be all knowing and all good and this thing happened to people that look like me? Um, how could you be all knowing and all good and this is happening in the Middle East and at the borders of this country that says a pledge of allegiance and says under God, it just didn't make sense to me. And science did, psychology did, I couldn't make sense of it. And um, psychology, I'm not sure that it has the same energy, but sociology, that's what my second bachelor's was in. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of atheists in this space. Sure. And so um, psychology, not as much, but sociology and anthropology, there's a fair amount of atheists within these spaces. And so they don't, I mean, they kind of scoff at it, scoff at religion, um, scoff at believers sometimes. And that didn't help me anymore. <laughs> it, was, sure. it, I, it made me do the same. Mm-hmm. I just followed suit. Um, science made sense. God didn't. So. Okay. So then at, at what point, because now like you're, you're a strong believer. <laughs> so like, <laughs> help me. <laughs> How many connect the dots from where you just landed to where you are now? Listen, the irony of it all is hilarious. <laughs> it's, pa- it's powerful. Yeah. So the class that I mentioned before, uh, Christ and Culture. Mm-hmm. It was the first class where God and science were a contradiction, but rather posed as proof of one another. Mm. He was going through... Um, I mean, psychology, I've been reading people my whole life because I've studied behavior, right? Mm -hmm. So I've been a psychologist from young. I could tell he was a believer. I just didn't know to what extent. And he was kind of leaving some ambiguity there intentionally. So he was going through the story of two fish and five loaves and sharing uh, the lunch from a child and spreading it with, you know, multiplying it. And at one point, he goes through the meaning of being full, both in the Greek and Hebrew and in English, you know, studying the actual root of this word and um, saying that instead of thinking like my stomach is full, like I can't eat anymore. What if everybody took a piece of fish and a piece of bread and passed what they had to the person next to them and everybody is sustained hmm. until they get their next meal. What if it's just enough to hold everybody over? Is that miraculous? And it was like, huh, <laughs> I never thought about it that way. Wow. And he went through several stories within mythology, within other religions, um, within Hinduism, within um, Judaism and just kind of walk through how these things may not be as miraculous as they seem or how they could be if if gravity is enough to hold us down if and hold us just far enough away from the sun to get its warmth but not be burned by it. Isn't that miraculous within itself? Mm. And so... Um, that was the first time where I was like, okay, well, let me, that kind of let down my guard and started to open my mind to let me explore this a little bit more. Hmm. That was the beginning of it. And then I met Jasmine, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is my best friend, uh, lives in LA, screenwriter, woman of God who never pushed it on me. She just asked me questions, was curious. Mm-hmm. Um, she leaves her door open. I would leave my door open. She would be playing a sermon out loud and it would mm-hmm. just happen to speak to exactly what I was thinking or going through or experiencing Interesting. And the people like Michael Todd and Darius Daniels. Darius Daniels has a very practical approach um, that made sense. It wasn't shouting. It wasn't, oh God, <laughs> you know, <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what voice I'm talking yeah, about. Of it's course. Like Baptist or Pentecostal. The deep bellowing of Christ. And God. Yeah. And then. Yeah. Oh, man. that <laughs> You lost me right there. Yeah, just be normal. Just speak normally. That that kind of uh, the shenanigans, the hooting, the hollering, the yeah. you know, the money is the root of all evil, and yet you ask for second and third offerings. Make that make sense to me. You know, the black community facing some of the things the black community faces, and we giving our money to a church, which with a pastor that's clothes rich, car rich, and money poor. Hmm. Make that make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Now, in this phase and stage in my life, I'm understanding that I was more turned off by the way people were handling God, mm-hmm. name thereof, than I was with God Himself. But yeah, that's good. Representatives that that turned me away. Yeah, that's huge. That happens with all kinds of things, right? All religions, all groups, all anything. The people that are misrepresenting mm-hmm. anything. They can turn off people to the actual value of the group, the idea, the religion, anything, right? We see it, whether it's race, religion, right? Like we look to the poor examples and then they can keep us from the value that's actually behind them. Yeah. You agree? Right? Yeah. Talk about like. can be grimy. Yeah. Like talk about, right? Like you've even mentioned it and we've talked before. Talk about what we, how about this? Talk about what we don't talk about when it comes to race in in America, right? Like we've had a lot of conversations past probably what three years or whatever it's been, um, but still it's like or one year. I don't know how long has it been. It feels like it's been <laughs> I've known ten you for years. One year, but I feel like I've known you for it. Okay. <laughs> oh no, no, I mean like in in the country, but no, I know well, I've known oh, yeah, you for yeah. years. But yeah. I mean like the race conversations have like come back up like the past few years because of everything. So. What do we not talk about from your own experience, right? It's not to knock anybody or any group, but it's like there's validity and perspective that just doesn't get shared because, right, the minority is the minority. So the majority just doesn't know and they don't have the experience or the perspective. So some people just don't know Well, they don't know. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's very common in human behavior to to group together, right? We're social creatures we and at one point in time that was critical to our survival right Mm -hmm. was was grouping together tribalism is it was essential to you know whether you had the right amount of land and resources to sustain um that that took a shift in i think the 15th century where there there was an opportunity for capital with indentured servitude right because mm. um, slavery existed long before that but it was indentured servitude where you you work off your debts for a, a certain person and then or whoever you owe and then after seven years it's like null and void right these mm. go these things go all the way back to like biblical times mm-hmm. but what happened is um a ser- specific religion or one that's at least most associated with this shift wanted to come up with the concept of what's the word I'm looking for? Sorry. Like inferiority over uh, like create hierarchies based on race, Mm. right. In order to justify capitalism when it came to enslaving African people, and doing it uh, uh, and making capital from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think people don't quite understand as far as what's not being said is like the real purpose of a social construct like race, mm-hmm. right? And even though it is a social construct, which means that it's not necessarily real, it's not tangible, the effects thereof are. As far as the things not being taught is... Like we share the same, like 97% of the same DNA of like a banana. Mm-hmm. So imagine something as small as the cell 
melt like the melanin within my skin cells mm-hmm. that shows up how much of a difference is there between you and I for example there's a girl she asked me this in, in high school she says um <laughs> I don't know how real we can get on this podcast as much as you want <laughs> she says uh sky do black men come the same mm-hmm. first of all she was assuming that I was having sex and I was yeah. hardcore virgin and y'all I was real prude growing up um two she was also assuming i would know uh, i would i would know the difference like right but at that time i know this is by the grace of god alone i said mm-hmm. to her if you cut me would i bleed the same mm-hmm. she it's almost as though people have this perception that there's something there's something between our races that is so significant that would almost make us like a different species mm-hmm right we are human and i think the lack of there's so many things not being said like just a regular conversation a lack of exposure and what we're not exposed to we often or what's unknown to us i should say we often classify as dangerous Mm. we often classify as um a threat to our own well-being and it's just i mean it's natural but so is being selfish, right? So is uh, when people make the argument that men naturally want to sow multiple seeds, right? <laughs> <laughs> want to go out to the world. That's that's natural. Yes, it is. But are we not more evolved in what comes to us naturally? Hmm. What separates us from the animals if we are only determined by what comes to us naturally? Right. So mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of things not being said that I think cross the table conversations, even between we talked about this before, between men and women. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all down for women's empowerment. I'm down for men's empowerment. But the conversation that's not being had is the one across the table. Mm-hmm. Interact with one another. That's it. You know, we're going into women's empowerment groups and then never coming coming to the same conversation about men's empowerment and how we can work together. Mm-hmm understand one another better thing is happening in race and even generationally like mm-hmm. baby boomers are getting to this point right and then gen z i think there's something there's a unique time in in history where the young could teach something new to the old with techno technological advancements and social justice right now therapy is dope therapy is like coming into this 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 um, time and place where it's healthy, where people are excited by it and encouraging others when they do it. If the young could teach the old, you know, and the old could teach the young about wisdom and the importance of formality and structure. And before the baby boomers was the silent generation, mm-hmm. silent generation, they were not talking to each other. So this new like push for vulnerability is different. For someone like a baby boomer whose parents weren't talking about these things there's a lot of there's a lot of things not being said we mm-hmm. just need to start the conversations that's i think that's huge because it does feel like that right it feels like there's a lack of conversation in all the groups because everybody wants to be the it group right like we want like the, like the, the feminists are like it, it's only this right and then the other side is like no it's only this and then in politics, it's like, it's only this. Yeah. And the other side's like, no, it's only this. Right. And then race, it's like, it's only this. And then the other side is like, it's only this. It's like the biggest problem there, you just know, it's no conversations. Mm-hmm. It's extremism, right? Like even, even to the, to the feminine and, and masculine conversation, it's extremism. It's like only one is right and the other is wrong. Politics, only one is right, the other is wrong. Race, one is right, one is wrong. That's the biggest problem. Well, then how do you right? And then to your point, how do you fix it? We have to freaking talk. You have to speak because it's there's no there's no logic to the idea that like one group of people is just always right and the other is just always wrong. There's no logic there. That's just absolute stupidity. So so intricate. It is so to, th- but but why do we live in? And maybe it's just human nature. But it seems like it it becomes more and more glaringly obvious that people. Are being more becoming more tribal, but it 
but our our survival doesn't rely on it like at this point right like we don't need it to like forage and eat and survive so why is it becoming more tribal when we have less of a need for that like from a just a survival perspective yeah a great question i mean my mind goes to several different places come Uh, on one is inscription we're in the end time Mm. Mm. we're gonna happen and it was projected to happen like this with that being said i also believe that there's a there's a shift coming um what do you mean i i believe that yeah i don't want to i don't want to dive too deep into the spiritual aspect uh, feel free but <laughs> i believe that there's a shift coming like there's mm-hmm. more i'm seeing more and more believers um mm-hmm. And we are so blessed in this country to be able to talk about our faith. There's people who are being, whatever that faith may be, right? And even if you don't believe, to openly be able to state like the freedom of speech to do that. That's not the case in in Asia right now. Mm -hmm. There's people being persecuted in horrible ways for what they believe, right? Mm -hmm. Who aren't at these borders because they want our nine to five jobs, (laughs) <laughs> nobody's here to take your job they're yeah. here for the opportunity to build something to buy land to own a business they're here for a true chance at freedom so mm-hmm. i think there's also we've talked about this before too like the western perspectives that prevent us from like when i was in england they knew so much about american politics they, mm-hmm. they knew so much about american music i knew nothing i knew nothing about england i knew the queen mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> think about fish and chips but i didn't know nothing about england and their culture and their history and i realized it's because america has so much output but no input from anywhere mm. else right um i noticed that <clears throat> black history month it, it was in october and i got there in october and I was excited to see like, okay, what does black history look like? Like the black British people making a difference for Mm. civil rights movements and so on and so forth. Even if they're not black, right? Just what Mm. that looked like for black history month. It was Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. I won't go as far as say Angela Davis, but it was a lot of, it was a lot of black American people. And I realized that, in spite of this country's flaws and lack thereof, especially for people of, of, uh, in the margin, historically in the margins, right? Mm -hmm. This is where change takes place and the rest of the world could follow suit. Mm. What if we started having more conversations and, and the rest of the world would then follow suit? Yeah. So if I'm going to make change anywhere, this is the place I want to be in this country. Mm-hmm. it'll have the most ripple effect um this is not answering your question though Where, what was your question again you're good we're going there that, the question is no longer significant <laughs> i like this no it's like we have so much uh impact and opportunity to make a difference and it's like we just don't realize it like to your point right like we just are so used to all the good things and all that we get, like we don't take the responsibility very seriously. It seems not everybody, but like as a whole guilty as charged too, like myself included, we don't understand the responsibility of all the blessing and the, uh, the weight of that, about how the impact that we can make and that we need to make. Right. Because again, everyone looks to America to be like, what should we do? What should we be learning? Let's learn from them. Let's right. Like we just that's just what it is. We, this has been an incredible run of several hundred years of just like prosperity and knowledge and information and innovation. We've been the trendsetter, but it's like we just don't care about anything outside of us, which is then the other side of the coin. Right. Like you become yeah. numb to the the blessing and the opportunity and it just becomes normal and you're not really interested in like in in the responsibility that comes with that yeah do you agree with that yeah yeah i would for some reason familiarity breeds i don't know taking things for granted mm-hmm. or 
complacency, maybe. Mm-hmm. We're familiar with these things. Jesus mm-hmm. went to his own town and couldn't perform miracles because they didn't believe. Mm-hmm. And you're a boy. Yeah, we've seen you around. Yeah, for some reason, familiarity creates that sort of, I don't know what it is, that, that discrepancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I don't know where that comes from. I, right. I the question now, it was about why do we, why are these extremes seem to become more extreme? more extreme? And I believe that it is, it's beneficial for somebody, hmm. for whichever group of people that may be. Um, there's a benefit there to extremes. Hmm. And again, from a spiritual standpoint, we know what that is. Mm-hmm. Or as a worldly view, I mean, it could be a number of things. It could be the rich wanting to remain rich. It could be, um, you know, those those people in power wanting to hold on to that power and mm-hmm. stratification creates that or, or more, the more deepening and widening of those gaps creates more power or I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I believe that. The tribalism aspect for sure is instinctual and the ego i mean naturally just as, if we look at more of the individual basis the ego is going to do everything that it can to survive mm-hmm. and most times that means not taking chances that means staying in your comfort zone mm-hmm. it's not interacting with new individuals because here is where i know for sure that i'm going to live right that i can survive in this in this place mm-hmm. Ego is a very dangerous and manipulative, um, uh, a, a very manipulative thing. And it'll keep you from doing things that actually bring joy and bring life and can cause you to live, right? To, to mm-hmm. the fullest extent. Mm-hmm. But those things are, are taking risk, right? Taking chances. That requires some faith, right? That requires you to go out on a limb, start a conversation with someone new. Your mind will be open to new things. Talking to someone with it from a different culture, new food, right? New version ways to love one another, new ways to dress, right? Clothing, like what bad thing could come from talking to somebody of a different background? We just seek comfort. That's my own, right? I posted something earlier uh, from Terry Crews about seeking discomfort. Mm-hmm. He's like, you should be so scared when you're comfortable. It's the worst thing for you. Right? Like comfort is the worst thing for you because there's no growth. There's actually no joy, right? It's just like, it's just remaining where you, there's nothing that could at, harm you at all, right? Like, but at the same time, like discomfort is the only way you grow, you learn, you actually experience joy because you learn new things and you meet new people and you experience new experiences. That's all happens outside your comfort zone, right? It's not, I'm not saying you have to go like run a marathon. Like, but little small things getting outside of your comfort zone is how you like grow. And when you grow, your eyes open up to new experiences and then you find more joy in the experiences. And it's like, that's where life really is, right? Like, so then there it is. The the reason why things are becoming more extreme is fear. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, that's it. It's, it's rooted in fear. Yeah. Everything else is a secondary emotion, anger, um, sadness uh i don't know everything that that you could hide fear with yeah uh, even becoming yeah man it, it becoming more jaded in relationships or um it, that's like a fear of rejection right mm-hmm. 100% i'm trying to think of an example um but then I, we have social media which just perpetuates the Hey, you're right. You're right. You're right. So then we just tune into the people that agree with us that tell us like we're right. And okay, good. Cause it's good to know that I'm right. Cause now I feel okay. And then I don't, I don't have to feel that uncomfortable. That's good. Right. Cause then tribalism is back to the question. I think a lot of it is social media provides opportunities for like instant tribalism. Like, let me just go find all the people that are, are in my feminist group or in my toxic masculinity group or my Republican or Democrat group. Right. Like we just go find it the same people but now everyone has the opportunity to be instantly tribalistic yeah this uh psychology is called confirmation bias yeah and you can just get all of the 
all of the people, all of the opinions that back up everything that you believe. Right. Right. And what do you think? Uh, opinions as facts. But. Exactly. How much of it do you think is us just using the tools incorrectly, right? To mm-hmm. again, just because human nature is to be tribalistic, so this gives us the opportunity. And how much of it is woo woo woo? Here we go. How much of it is you know forms of like mass hypnosis or uh, mm-hmm. you know people pulling the strings, understanding deep psychology and and the sociology of people and how much of it is or is any of it you know people that are like hey we can maintain the power as you kind of mentioned a minute ago we can maintain the power through tribalism by keeping people in their little siloed groups that way we can control them and keep them uh under the under the thumb if you will because you talked about earlier about the hierarchy in the you know in the 15th century and it's like how did they maintain that right like some way of keeping everyone like hey this is how it should be just keep doing this slaves are good servants good like you stay here you stay here and now it just seems like it's just a new form of that but we're you know that's the question right like is it all just by chance or are there some some people or entities that are like hey this is how it should be that's a great question. I, the short answer is, I don't know. Sure. Uh, but what do you think? My thought. <laughs> it kind of goes back to this ego. There's, mm. there's like a negative. As long as there is light, there's going to be a negative force mm. that raise up against it. Mm. And by, as long as there's darkness, there's going to be lightness, that light that appears. It's good. Whatever you believe in. If that's karma, if that's the law of reaping and sowing, if that's yin and yang, there's an there's always an opposing, there's always going to be opposing forces, mm-hmm. right? Which is all the more reason why we need to have more conversations like this to be the light that we want to see in the world. That's good. Right? So my thought is that as so as long as these two things are diabolically opposed, they're gonna both show themselves Mm -hmm. right um as far as the psychology and pulling the strings i think the algorithms are created right to keep people on them and and i heard a conversation between jordan peterson and i can't remember the other man but another brilliant man who was far more academic and scholarly and talented at these sort of conversations than I am (laughs) but the two of them were having conversation and Jordan Peterson says pleasure has no permanence Mm. and if you think about it nothing does right so you can get caught going down these rabbit holes on social media right or a drug addiction or a sex addiction or um, a food addiction, right? As a personal trainer, I realized how many people did not have issues with food. They had emotional problems. They had mm-hmm. uh, problems with their parents. They had an ejection, rejection and abandonment issue. You know what I mean? Because the, again, the ego and the body, what's natural is us for want to feel pleasure and want to feel good, which means if you do what comes naturally and you don't restrain those things, you don't create discipline and self-control and, you know, uh, submit yourself to a higher order or a higher power, whatever that may be, you'll be in this cycle of a constantly chasing pleasure, constantly seeking affirmation of what feels good, mm. which is why I go with the flow is dangerous, I think. Mm-hmm. not to say that you shouldn't be adaptable when things come about when obstacles come i think the winners are like it's just an obstacle we figure out how sure. to get get over sure. it, get through it we just keep going yep. and that requires some form of adaptability i think that being ruled by the emotions and by the feelings is a dangerous place to be because they have no there's no stop mm-hmm. you know what I mean? there's yep. no fear into it because there is no permanence yeah that's a, that's a huge word. Nothing is permanent. Life itself isn't permanent. But we hold tight to things. Again, I think back to like we want to be comfortable. 
we have fears and so it's just like we're just grabbing at permanence and it doesn't exist which is why people are distraught because they can't find something that's permanent in this life and if they have no higher higher belief in anything outside of this physical you know experience then that's absolute trauma constantly absolutely i I dated a guy who was atheist in college and Mm -hmm. his god so to speak was the greater good of humanity Mm -hmm. so he believed in something Mm -hmm. and humans we have to you have to believe in something greater than yourself or you'll get caught in this dark place oh yeah and this existential crisis of just you alone with your thoughts and and if you don't get out of that right it's unfortunate i just I've lost several people to suicide and it's common in Colorado. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. no one's talking about that either. We're not going to get on Colorado right now, but mm-hmm. um, it, that, that's the kind of threat that you face or you just give your life to these things. Right. Like I was promiscuous at one point in my life and I thought I was free, mm-hmm. right? but promiscuity had a hold. On me. Fear had a hold on me. Um, lack of self-image had a hold on me. So I wasn't free. I was a slave to those things, mm. right? Mm-hmm. But then I went to a well that never runs dry. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I'm just yep. that for me. It doesn't have to be that for anybody else. But yep. come to me, you'll never thirst again. Yep. That that and there's also like universal truths, which is why some of these saying reaping and sowing and karma, those things ring across several religions and belief systems and leadership values and practices and successful businesses because Mm -hmm. truth is universal. Yep. What is light is always light Mm -hmm. regardless of what you believe in. Now I think that the way the truth and the light is one entity Mm -hmm. shows itself across all of these things. That that's the only permanence there is, which is why we have to submit ourselves to something greater than ourselves because permanence doesn't live within us. Mm -hmm. Or it does, but you have to seek that out. Yeah, 100%. Because your flesh is not it. Yep, you're preaching. I feel the same way, obviously, right? Like you, And I was telling somebody yesterday, I was like, you can't, no one can tell it to you. Like they can give you the information, but you have to go find an experience. Like, what is this, right? Like, what do I believe about life, the human experience, like, it can't come externally. It just can't. It has to be an internal experience that you discover. This is what I believe based on my experience or my understanding. Now it can't come externally. That's why, right. Even us as Christians, like a lot of people just try to convert people and be like, and try to explain it to them. And that, that can be helpful to like give people information if they have questions, but that that won't change their experience, right? Like it's something more. Only they can experience that change. You can't place the experience in them, you know. That's facts. That's it's, facts. It's, yeah. When people encounter you, what do they? What do they? What's their experience of you? That's it. That if they can experience the God in you, and I know that it's the God in you, because you're mm-hmm. not shove it down their throat. That yep. wouldn't work for me. Yep. And your girl was. Let's so funny, so funny to say now. Like, I was a great debater, mm-hmm. politics, religion. I was an organizer, protester, the megaphones in my hands. That mm-hmm. was, I was anti God, okay? Mm-hmm. Speaking against him openly. The fact that he allows me to say his name after the way I've talked about him mm-hmm. is to make me fall on my face right now. It's really incredible mm-hmm. because now I use that same vigor for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. You know why? Not because anybody forced it on me. I got to experience it in Jasmine. Mm-hmm. I got to experience in Dr. Candelaria. They were not shoving religion down my my throat. And then when I have questions for the believers, and they couldn't answer them, but science could. Yeah. 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 That yeah. definitely put that big energy in me. Like, yep. <laughs> you could, I, I can go to a book and find this. Show me that in your Bible. And people mm-hmm. can't. Mm-hmm calling yourselves believers and not and then the adversity to question or doubt doubt is not the absence of faith that's and a how, fact. Would I, how would i ever get to know kyle if i never questioned him yeah 100 conversation go if you never asked me a question how yep. would i get to know a god that is relational and never ask him a question 
And you're wrong if you think God can't handle questions. Facts. Thinking if not asking questions. What is curiosity if not research and asking questions, right? 100%. It's, it's wild to me that that you can't, yeah, the adversity that comes from that. Mm-hmm. And, and then the, the desire for people to like shove information down your throat, it'll never get through. No, there's no way. It's just not how we're created. It's not how we work. But people don't understand that. But that's okay, right? Like that's, you come to a place in your life where you're like, things are not as they should be. And that's okay. You know, we weren't designed to fix everything. We won't fix everything. We can't. We never have. We never will. And live in that. (laughs) However that hits you. (laughs) There's a story and I don't remember the whole story. I heard it like through other people Mm -hmm. about a little girl on a beach covered in starfish Mm. and she picks one up throws it back into the ocean and this man comes down and he says you'll never be able to get all these starfish in back into the water Mm. yeah but i just changed that one's life Mm. that's it fixing all the world's problems yep one life at a time there's plenty around you right like there's plenty of issues around you yeah that's it one day one person at a time Create impact. There's ripples when you, right? When you drop that rock in the water, it ripples. When you impact that person, it ripples, right? You can't go save everybody, but you can help. You can help the one, right? Like the one. He left the 99 for the one. That's my destiny right there. See? Sky, you're great. You're great. I appreciate you. You're a brilliant person. You're also super inspiring. What any last words that you would leave with people? It can literally be anything under the sun, but like whatever's on your heart right now that you feel like, hey, somebody needs to hear this. Mm. What is it? That's good. I heard Jerry Flowers say something, something to the extent of, uh, I want to help people get to a place where if love knocks on your door, Fear doesn't cause you to act like you're not home. Hmm. Um, for anybody who is seeking healing, seeking better in a dark place where fear is causing you to act like you're not home, it's out there. It's better for you. You just got to take a chance. If that's if that's getting out the bed, if that's brushing your teeth, if that's smiling, if that's saying hi to somebody, Whatever that looks like, take that chance.